0: He doesn't break any promises, huh? Truly, he's a light in this very dark world. We're grateful and honored to be here today, amen, another Sunday to give God praise and worship his holy names. Truly, he's worthy, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I truly give him honor in the presence of our pastor. I tell you, Pastor Brandon is a man that loves the church. Supposed to be on vacation this month, and, and still up here more than you would be up here. It seems like, but but we understand. We understand, and we're so grateful that we have another soul. We got. I got another beautiful grandbaby. I am so proud. I know Brandon is a proud father of a winter Jolie night. Amen. I tell you, the children love her. We. Most of the children, we're still working with one of them. <laughs> you know which one it is. I ain't going to call no names, but oh, but they love, they love the little baby. It, she's just a doll, just precious, and God is just so gracious to continue to bless us in the way that he does. Pardon me. <clears throat> um, we're so glad to be here again. We're going to continue in our series of, of rediscovering the purpose, the person, and the power of Jesus Christ. And the reason is because if someone were to walk up to you and ask you, who is Jesus and what is he to you? How would you respond to that question? You hear so many times how people say, he's my lawyer in the courtroom. They say, he's my doctor in the sick room. So even he's my friend late in the midnight hour when you need comfort, Jesus. It's all of those things, but that's what people say. What do you say? What is he, and who is he to you? So this is what we've been going over: um, the who he was as a man, as a person. What was his purpose? His purpose was to, of course to establish a church that will still continue to stand even 2,000 years. And it says the gates of hell could not prevail against it. So he established his church, he's here too. He came as a person, as a human body that experienced everything that we experience. And today we're gonna talk about the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus. Our scripture today is coming from uh, Matthew chapter two. And we're gonna start at verse one. king of kings may you pray let us bow hands for prayer god we're so grateful for you we're grateful for your word we're grateful for, your, for how you revealed the word to even a person as lowly as me to allow me to expound on your word god i pray that my human frailties my limitations do not interfere with your holy word god that your word will come through and that it will accomplish that which pleases you Lord, in Jesus' name do we pray, that our hearts say amen, amen. King of kings, again, on the focus of the power of Jesus. Now, in Merriam-Webster in the dictionary, there are over nine different definitions of power. And then even out of those nine, there are A, B, and C of some of those nine. So, so many different definitions for power. But today we're going to deal with the authority, the power of the authority of Jesus. Now, and Jesus probably fulfilled just about every one of the, the listings of power, but specifically today we're going to talk about how his authority here was at that time and still to come even now. The King of Kings is what he was labeled. See, we or uh, sometime after Jesus was born in the, in the scripture here, Mary, Joseph, and uh, their newborn baby had made it home. The wise men, uh, who we often hear of, the three wise men you, you heard, or even the song, We Three Kings, you know, we three kings of Orion are bearing gifts. We traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, Following yonder star, so that's the three kings that. Well, it was listed as three kings, but we don't know the number. But we do know there were three types of gifts: gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the kings were coming. They were coming to not just witness the baby born, not just to follow the star, but these kings were magi and magi, and they were king makers. These people, they were king makers. They anointed kings. They anointed not just any normal king. Either. They anointed special kings, special things, or king of kings is what they did. They didn't just anoint anybody. It was a special thing that they were coming to do. Now, <clears throat> these three men were not Hebrew. They were not uh, uh, even in the faith but they recognized a special king to be born. And this king was not gonna just be over the Jews. It was gonna be over everybody. And they recognized this, and they were going to not only worship him, but also to anoint him king of kings. Now, king of kings has two different correlations. You could say king of kings because, you know, like an emperor or a person that's over many nations king of kings that way. But also another correlation with the Jews, they didn't use superlatives. They didn't say good, better, best. In way of doing it, they would just say it three times. Two times means it's it's better. Three times means it's best. So king of kings means not just king. That was another phrase for the Messiah because he's over that. They used king of king of kings when they referred to it that way. They were talking about God. So Jesus was both king of kings of the nations, but he also was king of kings, the Messiah. So he was both king of kings. Now at this time, Herod was the appointed king, and he was over the Israelis, over the Hebrew at that time. And when Herod heard that they were coming, he became to get a little nervous, saying, "Who is this person?" that you're talking about, Everybody there's a lot of chatter going around about this special king being born. So he wanted to know who he is and where he was. Now, the chief priests and the scribes were, they they knew scripture well enough to identify Bethlehem and Messiah's birthplace, Herod's people. They knew it, good enough to know who he was and where he was gonna be born. Nevertheless, they later opposed his teaching will let you know that knowledge alone of scripture does not guarantee that your heart is right with God because they knew the scripture, but they still wasn't following the Messiah that was to be born. Also, you got these wise men coming from all these different areas coming from long distances and they're right there close to him. They didn't choose to go and see the Messiah for themselves, even though they knew the scripture, they knew the word, they knew who it was, but they still didn't go. So it's not just knowledge alone. It's not good enough. Your heart has to be right. Amen. The priestly opposition to Jesus is foreshadowed here by the fact that they made no effort to go witness, even though they had the opportunity to. All right. Matthew 5 and 6 is actually quoting Micah. It's coming from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 1, where it says, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Seize is laid against us with a rod. They strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me. One who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our places, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. Michael 5 is an actual, it's a beautiful uh, uh, inspiration no uh, prophecy of Jesus. Matter of fact, when I read that, I hear in my mind, uh, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Because that's what Michael talks about. He talks about him coming, and then he tells you all the bondages that Jesus is coming to break. So I love reading that and thinking that that's the song that comes out in my mind is how Jesus has come to break everything. And so that's what Michael was foretelling that he was gonna come. And Matthew used that scripture to to describe uh, the coming of Jesus. And then in chapter, I mean, back, back to chapter 2, verse 7, uh, it says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to, Jer- to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search dis- diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. and they warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They departed to their own country by another way. See, Herod was questioning the Magi about the exact time of the star's appearance on the assumption that the first star appeared at the time of Jesus' birth. Now on the basis of this date, he ordered the execution of all male children in Bethlehem two years and younger. This implies that the Magi's journey was a long and involved great sacrifice. It took them a while to get there, even after they saw the star. And Herod's pretended desire to worship the Messiah highlights his deceitfulness. He didn't want to worship. We all knew what his point was, but he he was trying to let the Magi now confuse them, make them think that he also wanted to worship him so that they could tell him where Jesus was. And those are the lengths that Herod would go through just to destroy him. Now that that wasn't unnatural for Herod. Herod was a terrible person. He killed his own family. He killed brothers, uncles, his own children if they threatened the throne. Anybody that looked like they might be coming after his throne, he got rid of them. And so that's what he did with these little babies. But one thing about it, even after he did that, he didn't live long past that. He got what he deserved, because he still didn't get to live long, even though he tried to destroy it. He still was taken care of. (coughs) Pardon me. See, the wise men, after being warned in the dream, did not even go since they knew that they had, the Lord had revealed to them, Herod was being deceitful. So they didn't go near Herod. complete opposite direction so that they would avoid him. They traveled miles out of the way to avoid his interrogation because surely if he was willing to kill his family, if he was willing to kill his children, he would do any means necessary to get what he wanted out of them, including killing them if it was necessary. So they had God revealed to them that that was his purpose and so they decided to go another way. And we go down to verse 13, and it says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child, to destroy him. And he rose to took, and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. See, if if you notice here, it says Joseph takes the child, not his child. Because the angel knew that it was not, that Joseph was not the biological father. So those words were intentional. It said he took the child, and then it says he took the child's mother. So all the reference was to Jesus. It wasn't about Abraham, I mean Joseph, it wasn't about Mary, it was all about Jesus. And so they, and the angel made it clear that you get them and you get the child and you get them out of town and take them to Egypt. Um, <clears throat> so Joseph was obedient and he did just what he was told because uh, he wanted to, to be fulfilling and do what the Lord said. Pardon me. So we get down to verse 16 and it says, Then Herod, when he saw, excuse me, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were 2 years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah a voice was heard in Rama weeping and loud lamentations Rachel weeping for her children she refused to be comforted because they are no more See, Matthew made many correlations that let you know that he was a, uh, in the word. He made many correlations of Moses and Jesus. See, when he ref- referenced out of Egypt, I called my son. Yes, Jesus was in Egypt, but he also was equating Jesus delivering masses from bondage. Just as Moses delivered the people out of Egypt from the hands of Pharaoh, Jesus was delivering masses from the bondage of sin. That was his purpose. He was, And his reference to Moses delivering the Hebrew was like it's Jesus delivering the world from the bondage of sin, from the captive of sin. Amen. And also another thing that happened, the correlation, was that you remember Pharaoh, when his reign was going on, he also killed all the little babies. He had them midwives kill the boys when they were born. And then when they didn't do that, he had them to drown them. So he was also, that's what Pharaoh did. And in this same context, Herod was doing the same thing. So all this was correlation Matthew was was letting know that Jesus was a type of Moses now, because just as Moses delivered them from captivity, Jesus delivered us from captivity. And Matthew, all along the chapter, was making those correlations. Amen. And so, Herod killed family members whenever he was threatened. Herod killed brother. He killed everything. He didn't care. But Matthew, who was known as a tax collector, was Hebrew, and despite their view on tax collectors, y'all know back then they looked at tax collectors as traitors because they were Jewish, but the tax was going to the Romans who had to reign. And so they picked people who were in the community because they can know what everybody had for real. You know, they could trick some people, but if you live there, they, they will hold them in some tax collectors weren't honest. So they looked at all of them the same way. But Matthew, even though he was a tax collector, he showed he knew the word. Amen. Uh because he enforced the law. He he did what was told and he actually knew the word as well. So no matter what people think, Matthew knew The word he knew scripture, and he used another scripture in Jeremiah right here when he referenced Jeremiah thirty-one and fifteen says, "Thus saith, thus saith the Lord: A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children; she refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more." Again, he's using the word this time from the prophet Jeremiah. Now, how Rachel, you know, Rachel was the wife of Jacob, you know, of the founding fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, who later became Israel, the name Israel, was actually Rachel's husband. And uh, they were sad because they said the the children would be, killed, they were weeping over the children. I would say Rachel weeping, they're saying over the children of Israel. And just like they were weeping then, they're weeping again. But if you follow Jeremiah all the way through, even though he talked about the weeping, he also continued through and said, in the end, that will be joy. In the end, that so even though at that time, children were being killed It was a sad time for the people who was witnessing the things that they were doing to the baby boys, taking and killing baby boys two years and under. He still was letting them know that there will be joy because of this one child that's been born. Even though we might be losing some now, joy is on the way because we have a new son who is the king of kings. And he will reign forever. And it goes on in 19... And we're going to be soon through, my voice is going. And verse 19, it says, But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Achilleus was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in the city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. See, one of the last acts of Herod was killing the newborns. But he died soon after. However, Archelaus, who succeeded Herod, was just about as bad as Herod was. He was still, he himself was afraid of losing the throne. So he continued in the same acts that Herod did, killing everybody who threatened his reign. So Joseph left Galilee and moved to Nazareth, where Jesus grew. And also he fulfilled the prophet, that prophecy that the Messiah would be called a Nazarene. Now a Nazarene, the Nazarite was a special kind of Jew. They were different than the rest. They were more sanctified. They were more holy. They didn't do everything. They didn't touch unclean they didn't touch the day there was certain practices that they had that regular jews didn't have so and they studied the word a little bit deeper and more they're regular so while jesus was growing he was growing in natural where he was getting taught where he was sanctified where things were where he was raised in the right way so jesus was appointed and anointed king of kings by those that magi and as a result Because of his grace, we are able to celebrate with him. He is king of kings. And and in Ephesians 1 and 5 reminds us that we are adopted into the royal family. If you are saved, if you have received his spirit, you have been adopted in the royal family. So that king of kings, the blessings that the king has, it will flow unto you. And so that gives us a reason right there to praise him, just as Micah praised him, just as the wise men praised and worshiped him. Now, we who are recipients, who are the partakers of his grace, have a reason to praise and magnify his holy name. (coughs) Amen. Philippians 1 and 7, it states, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You are partakers of grace with me. Amen. That's a blessing to know. I am a partaker of his grace. Amen. Amen. Jesus, who was appointed King over two thousand years ago, is still reigning today. He's still reigning today. Timothy says, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is blessed and only Sovereign, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. As Timothy six and fifteen Revelation's let us know that these will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And those who are with him are the called and the chosen and the faithful it's a blessing to be with him because we are here because we are called we are his because we are chosen and we're here if we'll continue in the faith and we are faithful one last scripture says roman this is revelations 19 and 11. it says and i saw the heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness, he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Truly Jesus is the king of kings. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Jesus is the king and king. Now if Micah, could praise if Micah could worship him over 700 years before his birth, if Jeremiah over 600 years before Jesus can talk about and magnify and talk about the joy that is to come when Jesus comes. If they could do it, if the wise man could travel those miles, hundreds of miles, just to be in the presence of Jesus, if they can go and worship him. Truly, we have a reason to praise and magnify the Lord. For he truly is King of kings, and he's still reigning, and we are partakers of his grace. We are here because he is king. We are here because he reigns. We are here because he is Lord. Amen. Amen. We realize that that that, that Jesus went through everything that he went through. And In all actuality, it should have been me. It could have been me. It would have been me. Destined for hell. Destined for death. Destined for the grave if it wasn't for Jesus. If he didn't forgive me, I would be gone. I would be... Living, But thank God we have somebody who, who loved us, and because of him, we have everlasting life. Because of him dying on the cross in our stead, he didn't do any sin, had no guile in his heart, didn't do nothing wrong, lived just like we did. But because he gave up his life for us, we got a right to eternity. We got a right to his grace. We got a right to his love. So I'm grateful for that today. I'm grateful to be able to praise him for who he is. Amen. I gonna love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love, you know, God, Jesus is king of kings. When you go into royalty, people are willing to do things. You know, I I don't know if you all saw that, but when uh, the Queen Elizabeth, when she passed, all the many people that were there, and just to be at the, for days, just at the, in that area, just filled with people weeping and crying all across the world, people, many, were weeping and crying because of her loss. And you know, they would have done so much. They would have sacrificed so much if they could have changed places with her because of their love, for their devotion for her. That's the same way with us. If I had the opportunity to do it instead of it, I would be so willing. People are willing to do so much for him. Millions are willing to die. Millions are willing to sacrifice for him. But what he did, he stood there and died so we wouldn't have to. He stood there and died so millions would be saved. He stood there and died so millions would be delivered. So we got a grace. We got it. It's knowing who Jesus is, knowing what he did, and knowing that he did it for me. You know, when you got somebody with that much royalty, I told you about Queen Elizabeth with that much royalty. But if she would take the time and just touch one of those people's hands, just imagine how they would have felt. You know, just to be in his presence. Think about it. When we get to see, touch his hand. But not only that, every now and then, his spirit just lets me know that he's still with me. You know, every now and then, he just lets me know that that I'm on the right path. That he lets me know that I'm on the right track. That's a blessing. To let the king of kings speak to you is a blessing. So we've got a reason, we've got a right to praise and magnify our Lord, our King of Kings, for truly Jesus is the King of Glory. Let us pray.